Welcome to episode five of Pear's Poetry Podcast, Travelling. I'm John Pear. The first poem is a sonnet I wrote on the first anniversary of Caroline's and my first face-to-face meeting, in which I recalled my reactions to it. We were spending occasional weekends together, she being in Liverpool while I was in Bromyard, Herefordshire, but a lot of our communication was by text and email. First meeting. It is one year ago today since we first met to see if our exchanges bore some promise rare or whether it was just a trick of internet that made us think that we might soon begin to care one for the other as has quickly proved the case. But back then in the lovely Lodge Lane coffee house, in US terms you might perhaps say our first base, I liked you muchly. Knew already you weren't scouse, though even if I'd found you were, it would have made no difference. As we walked post-coffee, it was clear that you were bright as well as beautiful. That laid a fine foundation for a future ever near. Despite the distance between us through the dawdling week, togetherness is something we both love to seek. My second poem today is somewhat miscellaneous. Looking to its date, I wrote it on the first anniversary of our engagement, 2nd of February 2019, but we were also approaching Valentine's Day, of course. And it's called Back in Valentine's Day. Little is very reliably known of Valentine on his martyr's throne, although it seems to be the case that Valentine, our saint, lost face, indeed the whole of his saintly head, and ended up completely dead, despite restoring a child's sight. Whether a judge's or jailer's is quite a matter of great uncertainty, for all that happened we can't now see. But it seems, though the father was convinced, the Emperor Claudius more than winced, commanding V to be beaten dead and dying not that he lose his head somewhere along the Flaminian Way where he might have been up to this day had not his disciples had their way and reinterred him some great way off, so local pagans would not scoff. It's possible his current job of blessing couples who hobnob arose because he married those whose single lives in pantyhose would lead to end up fighting for the aforesaid Claudius in his war, where wedded men would not be sent, and so the rules were somewhat bent by Valentine, who lost his shirt when betting Claudius he'd convert. Much later on, when Chaucer, he whose fame for tales of Canterbury, set forth in Parliament of Fools, made up traditions, written jewels, linked Valentine to courtly love, who blessed it from his seat above. Now courting couples are the fools of marketeering salesmen's tools. The third poem is on the meteorological wing of nature. I wrote it on 1st March 2018, but though that is the meteorological first day of spring, the weather had decided to send us snow. It's called A Walk in the Snow. No tarrying this morning as I walk the dog, hurrying him on as he stops to sniff the snow-covered grass, for myriad flakes are flurrying around my bare head, though otherwise I am well wrapped up, not he. As we turn into the westbound wind, I am hurrying him on, noting that the dry Siberian 
snow is skittering across the field, uncovering stalks of grass to windward, but burying them to leeward. Bare-branched trees are buffeted by gusts of the icy wind that keeps the thermometer below zero. In worse affected parts, no doubt, heroes are helping those slithering on our icy roads or quietly tending to the elderly and the homeless, bringing folk together because of the weather, whatever their views, as our leaders seem unable to do. The last poem I wrote during Sandy's and my third trip to Sri Lanka. After our and the Barkers trip in 2002, my second son, Tim, and his wife, Yaz, decided on Sri Lanka for their honeymoon. During it, they stayed for at least one night in an hotel that had been converted from a disused tea factory that was still surrounded by tea plantations. They couldn't help but contrast the luxury they were staying in with the corrugated iron huts in which the tea pickers lived. They returned to England determined to raise money, set up a charity and found a school to teach 18 to 24-year-olds English, IT and a scheme of personal development. The first school started in January 2010 in a small town called Maskelia. The Tea Leaf Trust, tealeaftrust.com, now runs three such schools in the tea growing area of Sri Lanka. And in fact, I've just discovered that a fourth is set to open any moment now. For at least the first couple of years at Maskelia, staff and Tim and Yaz lived in a rest house run by Hamantha, that was next door to the old wedding hall that TLT converted to house the school. We stayed at Medisha Rest too for the duration of our time in Sri Lanka during that holiday. Medusha Rest. Medusha Rest, Medusha Rest is run by something of a pest. He scrimps and says at every turn, it seems somehow he cannot learn that doing something well just once results in being less a dunce than doing something many times with poor materials, saving dimes. Medusha rest, Medusha rest is not for the discerning guest. The rain seeps in, the paintwork's thin. It seems the landlord's never in to deal with problems as they come. And when he's there, it's like you're dumb or he is deaf, for he'll just do small parts of what you want him to. Medusha rest, Medusha rest, one cannot speak of it with zest. The water, when there is, is cold unless one pays more, one is told. You want a towel, sir? You must be joking. You say, but it's just. Hermantha, that's the extra cost or all my profit will be lost. Medusha rest, Medusha rest, you ought to see it one time, lest you think that I exaggerate and that it's really, really great. You may go near, you may go far, it's really only worth one star. From north to south, from east to west, there's only one Medusha rest. Thank God. And that's it for episode five. Thank you very much for listening.